Welcome to All Villa, No Filler. Please subscribe to the show. Follow us on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. This is Rivalries, the show where we meet fans from rival clubs. Today, I'm joined by Newcastle fan Freddie Bunn, once again for his third visit to All Villa, No Filler Studios. He's on the board of the Newcastle Supporters Club in London, also known as the London Mags. Freddie, welcome back to All Villa, No Filler. Hello, mate. Yeah, third time lucky, eh? Um, so glad you're still having me and I've not pissed anyone off yet. Uh. <laughs> well, I've read some of the comments on previous shows. Seems to be Newcastle fans were very annoyed at me at one time. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully hopefully I'm welcome on time so one day. But uh, yeah. but, uh, but anyway, so, you know, um, Newcastle head to Villa uh, on Tuesday night. Um, early this season, you battered us 5-1 just a few mm-hmm. months after we beat you 3-0 at Villa Park. So, you know, it, it's been a bit funny for Newcastle, hasn't it, since that opening day? It, it looked like it was all just going to carry on from last season. And there have been some really big moments this season, like the PSG win. But it's not gone too well recently. So how are you feeling going into Tuesday night? I think when you say, Frankie, been a bit funny, I think that might be doing a little bit of heavy lifting, really, for us. Um, we we seem to have uh, lost all of our footballers through to injury. So I think we're yeah. kind of one of the highest in the league. We've also had the nightmare of uh, Sandro Tonali, who you'll remember because he, he had such a blinder on his debut against Villa on the opening day of the season. Um, so he's kind of out with a gambling ban for 10 months and then yeah. we've lost all of our midfield and it's just injuries racking up left, right and centre. So, yeah, I mean, since we last spoke, we've dropped out. Of, we've been to Europe and dropped out of it in the group stage, group of death. But I, I don't want that to kind of be saying as, OK, well, that was going to be the typical outcome for us, because if we'd had, you know, players fully fit, we could have absolutely gone further in that competition. Mm-hmm. You know, the 4-1 home win to PSG. Um, and then since then, yeah, unfortunately, we've dropped out of the Carabao Cup at the quarterfinals. Um, lost on penalties to that away at Chelsea after conceding the equaliser in the last minute. So, yeah, it has dropped off a cliff a little bit. It's not been helped by, in January, having um, a back-to-back set of three fixtures being Liverpool, um, Man City and now Aston Villa away who are flying in the table. Um, But, you know, we've had a couple of weeks off. We're hoping things have reset and we're getting some players back fit. So we'll see how it's going to go. Yeah, Newcastle's injuries have been really pretty brutal this season. And even, you know, Nick Pope diving regularly for a save and then somehow is out for the rest of the season. It just, it just, yeah, it's been, it's been pretty brutal. Um, I mean, Aston Villa ourselves, we've had a big old injury list as well. You know, Tyro Mings at Newcastle, that horror knee injury, got an Emmy yeah. Buendia a day before, did his knee as well. On top of that, we've had other, you know, Paul Torres looks like he's going to be out on Tuesday night as well. So just a constant run of, of annoying injuries. And a lot of clubs seem to have had that this season. Mm. Um, it'd be interesting to know for a sports scientist what the reason is for that. But, you know, Newcastle, in your most recent form, you've lost four on the spin in the league. You're 10th yeah. in the table. Um, so what's the deal at the moment? I did watch your Man City game and I thought first half you were brilliant. Second half, it felt like you just sat off. I didn't really quite get what that was all about. But, you know, yeah. yeah. So what's going on at the moment? Um, I think that's the age-old question, really. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, and there was that argument about that second half of Man City, whether we could have sort of gone for it. Um, the answer was what was left in the tank in terms right. of the players. I think in terms of giving you the biggest um, or the best kind of like overall picture of what's going on at Newcastle at the moment is that, you know, some of the things, and this wouldn't necessarily be my opinion, this is something that's come up as a regular theme across kind of all the podcasts and, and media that that follows us around, is that, 
Eddie Howe was kind of one of the best Monday to Friday managers that we have like in in the country. Um, and what we've the trouble that we've had this year is that we're an evolving club that is still kind of young in its infrastructure and being able to compete at those levels and do that yeah. regularly and play sort of you know two or three times a week and, and manage ourselves in in four competitions over the course of a season. So where it's kind of gone wrong is that those injuries compounded with the number of fixtures has been a real problem. Yeah. The way it's affected us in the league form, in which it kind of this is where the knock-on effect is, is Eddie not having the time to talk to the players Monday to Friday. You saw a massive difference after, you know, this the Man City at the Man City game, really, because Eddie Howe had a full week to train those players. So you saw a big difference. Um, from the Liverpool game going into the Man City game because there was more time to work with those players. And so that's why in that first half against Man City, we were confident that we saw the response that we needed. It was just that the injuries and the kind of, you know, the the squad kind of battery percentage, if you like, of their legs ran out of time. Um, and so the second half, that's why we dropped off. However, this is where it's going to be interesting is that this is another one where Eddie Howe has had the time to get those instructions in on the training pitch across the course of last week and we've got the cup away to Fulham on the, on Saturday but certainly for Villa you would think now that that we're starting to become dangerous again okay um yes there, there would as I say that first half against City you looked like you're back to your sort of old self so who at present uh, are your best performing players I mean at, it's a that's a it's a really hard question because it's not necessarily a level playing field for people. I mean, mm -hmm. like Lewis Miley, for example, yeah. has been one of our best performers, but you've got to view it in the context that he's 17. Um, I think he's currently the youngest player to receive a Champions League assist. Um, and I think that's that might be since, um, God, I can't remember who, but essentially you're getting those kind of players coming in, but it's not really a fair representation to say that we've got good and consistent performers because there's there's so much change across the team. What we would say in terms of the best right now is you've got Alexander Izak, who is really at his, at his at top form at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, he does struggle a lot with injuries. However, you saw he was an absolute menace um, against Man City. Other players to be wary about is Anthony Gordon. Um, yeah. Since coming back from the Euros, from the... Um, from the sort of under 21 euros in um in the summer he's been absolutely phenomenal he's a man reborn he struggled with instructions a lot last season from Eddie Howe but since then tactically he's really taken on um as always in the middle of the park it's going to be Bruno Guimaraes that's going to be the man to try and shut down um but we're still not sure whether we're going to have people like Joe Willock back and a big loss for us is going to be that Joe Linton is now out I think for the rest of the season mm, yeah um you know, uh, Anthony Gordon, as you say, it just seems his sort of work rate, pressing from the front, mm -hmm. as well as his skill. I think he's really, really coming on. Uh, to, and I enjoy watching him. Um, but, uh, you know, I know you've got the injury crisis. So those, who are the sort of real key players that are missing? You mentioned Joe Ellerton there. So is he, mm -hmm. is he a big loss? Yeah, massively, because he's our physicality in midfield. The way that we've typically operated last season, which made us so successful, is that you had that balance of your kind of most creative player being Bruno Guimaraes. And he currently plays quite deep in our system because we don't necessarily have a well-defined number six in that role. And the big problem will come on later because you'll probably ask how, how does sort of Villa get through to uh, to the win? And that's definitely something that we can talk about in terms of cutting over open our midfield. But right. 
we'd have Joe Linton um, and then we'd have Joe Willett. And Joe Willett would play that kind of box-to-box role, whereas Joe Linton would offer that physicality in midfield, allowing that space and time on the ball for Guimarães and for Joe Willett to arrive late in the box kind of when we're attacking. So it's a huge miss for us. Um, players that kind of are really the workhorses of that team is going to be people like Sean Longstaff. Um, but yeah, certainly missing Joe Linton is going to be a big one. Other than that as well, you mentioned how we attack, how we uh, defend from the front in terms of our attackers. Mm. People like Almiron as well. He's taken a knock recently. Um, Jacob Murphy has been out for the last few months because I think he broke his arm. And then when he came back on for 10 minutes in the Champions League, he did. He had a shoulder problem with it as well. So since then, he's got to go and have surgery. So mm. like I say, we're missing a lot of people. Mm, yeah, it's it's pretty intense number. Uh, uh, I mean, Aston Villa ourselves, we're missing um, a couple of key players. I mean, if, if the left-hand side of this season just hasn't been allowed to develop, which is really frustrating because last year yeah. it was so good. And we added to it by bringing in Pau Torres, who's been brilliant. Um, Moreno's been injured all season, has only just come back. Ramsey's been out all season, only just come back and might be out again on Tuesday with a hamstring. And now Pau Torres looks like there's a mysterious injury going on with him as well. So... It's just one day that left-hand side is going to play together. One day it will happen. Um, be like the Beatles reuniting or something. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, as you mentioned there, um, you know, how, how do Villa get at Newcastle and how do they get the win? It's a kind of crazy thing that's been going around um, our sort of Twitter forums and everything like that over the last two months. There is a big gaping hole for Newcastle United, which is that, one pass pretty much cuts off our whole midfield and yeah. allows players to run very freely at the back four. Really interesting that this this has come up because it's actually Unai Emery that first spotted this last season um, when we went to see uh, see you guys away at Villa Park. Since then, we've, we've had the kind of strength in depth to be able to stop that. But with so many injuries, that's kind of where the big discussion around January for us has been another midfielder with all of our injuries and you know, looking at that number six role. I think Calvin Phillips going to West Ham is going to be a bit of a problem for us if Tuesday doesn't go well. And if we drop out of the FA Cup on Saturday, there will be fans that will be disappointed with our January business or lack of it um, because we aren't necessarily fixing that midfield problem. So that's going to be the one. I mean, if you look at the Man City game, as soon as Kevin De Bruyne came on the pitch, he absolutely changed the game. I mean, yeah. who would have thought, right? But at the same time... It was so obvious about how he could do it. And he was allowed to literally run at share for about, you know, 30 yards maybe. Mm. And then as soon as he's as soon as he's run into Fabian Share, Fabian Share's kind of open wide to try and get side onto him. He's slotted it through his legs and into the bottom corner. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I to be honest, I have noticed it myself watching Newcastle. I think I watched the Nottingham Forest game just start of the year or end of yeah, last year. That was a tough uh, one. Yeah, and uh, something yeah, like you say, like something I really noticed was how it felt like all your players were at the front, and they'd have them all at the back, and there's like one lonely soul in the middle looking around, thinking like an island in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, like Easter Island, yeah. looking around. Where is everybody? <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was. I found that really weird. Um, it's interesting you mentioned that that's happened quite a few times. Um, mm. So, uh, so yeah. Um, but uh, you know, with with going at Villa ourselves. Um, how do you have any confidence that you can get at Villa and cause a, a fair few problems? I definitely do because I don't think as much as we talk about these problems on the pitch and the problems off the pitch in terms of injuries, um, we still were able to put two past Man City in that first half. Yeah. And I think 
you know, underestimate us at your peril. And it, it's really interesting, Frankie, because I was actually talking to Gab, who um, is your chairman of the Villa London Line. Yeah, great man, great man. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you played on the pitch before us. Um, you got battered by Inda, uh, Inter. Where I, was. <laughs> I wasn't there, so yeah. I, I didn't... <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. We lost five three after that um, to uh, Fiorentina. So, but yeah, I was chatting to uh, I was chatting to Gav, and he was kind of saying that. I don't know whether how you feel about this, but is there potentially a lot of Villa supporters thinking that this might be a done deal? Whereas actually, um, I mean, I, I would subscribe to that because it's easy to think that when when we were at Villa Park, you know, 3-0 last season, I don't think the opening day means that much because I think we played in some weird tournament in America three weeks before that. And it was very cagey and there was a few debuts and Tyrone Mings getting injured, etc. So I wouldn't think too much about that. I'd be look, more looking at your Villa Park form and certainly our away form. But is there an, an element to say that some people are writing us off already? Um, I mean, no one I've really spoken to is, would write Newcastle off. I think there's, I think there's, you know, there's probably more confidence going into it than the normally would be, given the fact you know Newcastle are on quite a bad run at the moment. Um, but I think at the same time, like Villa ourselves, like you know, ever since we beat. Arsenal City three days apart, yeah. early December. Towards the end of December, it looked like all them fixtures, call it Decemberitis, kind of caught up with us a bit. Yeah. And, you know, we were 2-0 up at Old Trafford, lost 3-2, just got over the line against Burnley, um, just about beat Middlesbrough 1-0, 0-0 with Everton, bit unlucky not to win it, but then probably, bit, you know, Everton would probably argue themselves they were unlucky not to win it. So I've, we've not been massively consistent for going on like a, a month now. So uh, yeah, I'm 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 kind of reticent going into this game just because I know that you've got time to prepare for it, and um, at some point your form has to come back. Uh, though I am confident that Villa can cause Newcastle as many problems as they can cause us, essentially. Um, but the, the interesting thing for me though is, I look I, rather than the pre the first game of the season, I look back to the preseason game where I thought in the second half of that you played well against Villa's high line which was, I think, generally get the ball out to Trippier or a, a a wing back who's sort of midway in your own half. And yeah. they see a run from deep against a high line. And Trippier's passing in that with that range is always perfect. He's not a perfect player for that. Yeah. So in that sense, I think if Newcastle absorbed the pressure from Villa and just allow us to come forward, come forward and then get the ball to Trippier and a quick yeah. one through to Anthony Gordon who's run from deep, that's that. I think that might be a route that you can get success against Villa. I think. Yeah, I would say that, and I would also say don't discount Fabian Share in that. In terms okay. of that, that, we always have that option where, and this kind of comes back to a point that would be maybe of interest to you and your sort of listeners is that last season, because I feel like Villa are having a very similar season to what we had last year, yeah. where you would just go and carve teams open, and everyone for the first half of the season would be very stunned managers don't necessarily look at it that way and they think okay but by the time christmas comes people have started to work that out and mm -hmm. we entered a massive problem i remember on new year's eve being at uh leeds at home um, at st james's park and the game was nil nil i think we then didn't see a win for another sort of four or five weeks um at st james's park there were some really difficult problems and what that was was essentially that teams just went low block at us teams yeah. just went Right, we're going to sit behind this, especially at St James's Park, because it's like we don't necessarily know how to get around this, but we're going to ask this secondary question of you and say, "How are you going to get out of this? Then, how are you going to, you know, score if you can?" Um, so what we did was exactly what you said, which is 
Trippier was always the kind of plan with the one twos with Miggy Almiron up on the right hand side. Mm -hmm. But we also developed some other things. Um, and also one of those, along with many, is literally the fact that Fabian Cher with the ball um in his own half can literally pick out Joe Linton making a run from wide left um and is then one pass to clean through on goal. So we do have that ball playing quality now across yeah. our back four. So there is also like lots of different dimensions to us which we've had to pick up. It'd be interesting to see whether you guys that feel like your formations are changing or some of your attacking moves are changing over the course of the season. All Villa, no filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. It's absolutely fascinating you say that because that is exactly what is happening at Villa at the moment. We are now coming up against low blocks. Uh, Everton did it um, and Sheffield United set the precedent. You know, we were on a 15-game home winning run. Wow. Best ever. Uh, came up against Sheffield United and all they did all game was sit every single player behind the ball really deep. And it, we just, we sort of fell into this pattern of play. It was a bit like watching Spain in international football in yeah. World Cups where teams just know they just have to sit deep against Spain all the time and hit them on the break. And that's yeah. kind of what Sheffield United did to us. And would Newcastle do it? I wouldn't be surprised. I think you got the profile of player to do it. And I think you got the profile of player to hit us on the break. It's just that Villa, they're gonna ha we're going to have to work out a few different styles of play in the final third, um, a few different patterns to uh, to break through these low blocks, I think, because um, there will just come a point where we are constantly drawing because we're just not breaking through, um, through defences. Um, but, you know, we mentioned Kieran Trippier. Um, he he's been in funny form this recently. Uh, you know he was he's been brilliant for you recently mm. linked with Bayern Munich as well. Um, but I believe that bid's been rejected. Uh, but is he is he back in form? Has he refound it or is he struggling a bit at the moment? I mean, I go back to Chelsea away in the Carabao Cup in the quarterfinal. Um, this was the culmination of um, I think a few weeks after um, he came home from England duty due to personal reasons. There's multiple rumours as to why he came back. From England duty, which I won't go into. If you if you are that fascinated about it, you can look at it on Twitter and find out for yourselves. Um, but there's lots of information flowing around about him and personally and how he's getting on. And naturally, he's had a dip in form before Christmas. And I go back to that Chelsea game where we're one nil up and we're we're clean through to the semis, and then he just doesn't deal with the ball in his own box. And Chelsea are able to come in, equalise, and score. And then up the other end where we were in the away end comes the penalty shootout. And I remember him walking forward from the halfway line and saying to the boys in the stand and them turning around to me and going, he misses this. And it was one of those things where you just knew England player <laughs> coming up to penalty in bad run of form. And it was one of those horrible moments where you just had this sixth, sixth sense, which was that he's going to miss. And he did. Um, and then, you know, following that, we go out of the cup, etc. He has had a dip in form, but I think at his age, at 33, with the level of stuff that he's been through, I don't think there's anyone in our fan base that isn't confident that the more he plays football, the more he will recover his form. I mean, you just have to look back to the whole saga of Trippier, of him leaving Spurs, but going to Atleti and yeah. working with Simeone and rebuilding his career. If there's one person you can never write off, it's Kieran Trippier. And I think, you know, he will play his way back in. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. He's certainly a player that's... I just think Villa needs to be very wary of um, just because yeah. of those balls from deep. Um, but uh, as for Aston Villa players, is there anyone that sort of gives you cause for concern? Pretty much all of them at the moment. <laughs> the fact that looking at our bench and what we don't have on it, um, 
I think, yeah, you've always got to be wary of Ollie Watkins. You've yeah. always got to be wary of of pretty much how, how Villa play. But I would say more that probably the whole Unai Emery setup is 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 really what I'd be wary of. Hmm. Is the fact that you do you are going to develop those multiple options and Unai Emery always comes to a games, especially with Newcastle and has a plan. Um so I would be more concerned about A, the amount of goals that you're putting past sides. Um the fact that you're playing at home and that 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 is going to be very tricky for us considering we can't get out of this rut of playing away. Um, mm. But yeah, I mean, your goal, your goal scoring form really. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think for me, it's I think last season in the 3-0, it was partly that um, Newcastle never got close to Douglas Ruiz. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, f- I feel like I remember Bruno Guimaraes, um, every time Douglas Ruiz got the ball, Guimaraes was quite far from him. But every time Guimaraes got the ball, Douglas Ruiz was right on his back. Yeah. So uh, I think if Newcastle have learnt from that, then you know the, it would be more difficult for Louise to play. But if Louise still manages to find space, that could be a real problem. I think in the centre, as yeah. we mentioned earlier, and then Leon Bailey as well is just in really, really hot form yeah. at the moment. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm feeling um, feeling confident. I'm always feeling good about Villa. You know, I'm always feeling, this season. Um, well, I haven't always felt good about Villa for about thirty years, but uh, <laughs> but this season I. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm going into this game with probably more confidence than usual uh, against the more recent iteration of Newcastle. Um, but at the same time, very wary of the fact that you can still do a, a fair yeah. bit of damage. Um, so score prediction wise, what are you going to say is going to happen Tuesday night? Oh, I mean, I don't. I just don't know why, because recent form could tell me this could be anything. But I don't see you scoring a, a great deal past us either way. Okay. I, I think the really important thing is who scores first, because it's like yeah. I say, if we do go into that low block, we did it against City and it works until Kevin De Bruyne comes on. I think that's quite a fair challenge to say to Aston Villa, come and score a goal if you, if you think you can. Um, yeah. So I think if we score if we score first, we could potentially win 2-0. Um, if you score first, then, then I, I think we're going to be in trouble. But I would go... I would go probably a one-all draw at this stage, just considering our form. Um, yeah, that's probably where I'm at. It's it's not a very optimistic time for us. Um, mm-hmm. It's more optimistic than it ever has been in the past. But yeah, at this point in the season, I'd take a draw away at, the, at this stage, given our away form. Yeah, and it's, it's worth iterating as well that we are doing these predictions um, on Thursday. We're recording this Thursday, so there is still an FA Cup game to come for both Villa and Newcastle. Newcastle away at Fulham, Villa away at Chelsea. So um, there might be more injuries in store for us. <laughs> <laughs> so my thinking might change about that. But uh, yeah. yeah, just at this moment in time, I'm going to say, I think, I'm going to say Villa just eke it out. I'm going to say it's, it's un- under the floodlights Tuesday night. I think it'll be a really good game. Uh, but I'm going to say Villa just get the job done, just about. It won't, yeah. it won't be easy. But, um, you know, uh, so whilst at the same time thinking Newcastle, as I said already, could do do us damage. Um, but, uh, you know, um, something I just wanted to ask you separately as well, um, you know, with Eddie Howe and the way things have gone this season, do you think, you know, with Newcastle's board now, obviously seeing that it wants, it inevitably wants to have regular Champions League football, do you think they'll have patience with Eddie Howe, uh, given that you know it hasn't been a brilliant season so far? I think it's more. I can see how people naturally come to that conclusion yeah. and naturally come to that question, but I think it's more: Will Eddie Howe have patience with the board? Right, um, is really where I'm at. I don't see Eddie Howe going anywhere, but I think really any club outside of, I mean, 
may outside of Manchester City, Arsenal, maybe Man United, Liverpool, etc. Any team outside of that. I mean, if Spurs are in the struggle that they were this summer before Postacoglu, I think they go with Eddie Howe if he's available, given what he's done with Newcastle United now. I yeah. think his stock is so high that any team outside of the top six would bite his hand off, would probably, aside from maybe Villa with Unai Emery, mm. would probably drop their manager if he became available. Like, it's, it's that really the narrative there. So you've got to look back to what we had in the summer. We signed Sandro Tonali, which was supposed to be the kind of insurance policy around Bruno Guimaraes' £100 million release clause. Um, that's not worked out well through kind of no one's fault other than maybe due diligence on the board side, but... Can you ever really legislate or predict for somebody coming out with a gambling ban that's probably very well hidden? Yeah. So I think it's more now, can we overcome these financial fair play um, problems that we have through years yeah. of lack of investment in order to overcome um, problems that we've had on the pitch? So considering what, what we've had, we're way ahead of schedule. We've been in the Champions League only one season really after being in a relegation battle. So... Mm-hmm. That this is incredible kind of scenes of change. So for them to put it on Eddie Howe, maybe is a question four or five years in the future for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of squad rebuilding to do in the meantime. Yeah, um, it, it's an interesting... I, I mean, what does a successful season look like now for Newcastle, do you think? I think a successful season last season would have been top eight, or you know. And so therefore, it's very difficult to judge that when you've been in the group of death in the Champions League about <laughs> what would be successful. What it looked like at the beginning of the season was um, getting into the Champions League again. What it probably looks like now um, is qualifying for Europe in any capacity, be that Conference League or Europa League. I know the club will want to say that we need to maintain that Champions League money, but it's just a kind of false prophecy at the moment. It, it It will keep causing problems. So therefore, there does need to be a couple of seasons where, you know, in the summer, our Adidas contract comes in. You know, there's already videos on Twitter of Alexander Isak, Anthony Gordon and Joe Linton, you know, with Predators and doing the, the the new adverts for Adidas. So we are kind of one of their premier clubs. We need to start seeing more deals like that off the pitch so that the revenue isn't so much relying on outgoings as it is in terms of incomings for transfers. There is a lot of talk on the, at the moment saying that we need to sell to buy. That may be the case. It may be the case that we need to get rid of um, Bruno Guimaraes if a good offer comes in because if somebody offers you know 100 million for him it's all about what could you do with that money over three years that's a complete mm-hmm. kind of first team rebuilder I think the immediate problems that we, uh, that we need to fix is that we need to look at the bench we need to kind of as much as I love these players we need to look at Matt Ritchie's contract we need to look at Paul Dummett's contract and when they're running out we need to look at the fact that we've got you know, Gillespie and also Loris Carrius on our bench as third and fourth choice goalkeepers, you know. So these are the kind of things that the club needs to look at. They are buying young at the moment and that's the strategy. However, there are some kind of uh, squad players that need to be looked at and we need to build for that because outside of our first team, it drops off quite quickly. Yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating. You mentioned the FFP thing. So it's a very similar situation with Villa, although I think it's different. Um you know, we, I think we, you mentioned the lack of investment and I imagine that's a legacy of the Mike Ashley era. Yeah. Um, I mean, we started going into our youth team investment properly around 2017-18 and we yeah. reaped the dividends of that and continuing to reap them at the moment. And I think you just had Lewis Miley come through, but I'd imagine 
the the board have started. I, I, if they've properly invested in the youth team, then I'd imagine you'll start to get some of the youth players coming through. It's just that yeah. one of the unfortunate byproducts of FFP is that clubs tend to sell these young players now to. Yeah, you know, I mean, I broadly agree with FFP to stop kind of, you know, just a random nature state coming in and just buys up everybody's rival players, and because that's yeah. essentially Man City did something very similar to that, and just yeah. can blow everyone out of the water with wages that absolutely nobody can compete with. But uh, at the same time, there is a knock-on effect where it's like teams are now selling youth players and they they're gouging fans, they're having to gouge fans with yeah. different you know prices and higher prices and. Uh, you know, gouge is probably a harsh word, but it, it's um, yeah. prices are going up. Essentially, is how you would say it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd certainly say there's there's increased demand at Newcastle United from a fan perspective, which is a little bit it's, it's an amazing thing, but it's also a very unique position where the club kind of feel a bit drunk on that really at the moment. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, earlier on in the season, there was a big questionnaire that went out to the fan base about plans for the future in terms of our stadium. So mm -hmm. would we move from St James's Park? But there was a lot of kind of kickback really on some of the questions being like, would you pay 15 grand a year for a, a tunnel, what's called a tunnel season ticket where you're able to do this or access this. And it's all kind of things that are, are, are way out of your typical fans. I would say price range, but I would also say like what 90% of people would want from a football experience. Mm. Um, it's, it feels very much like we're going to be in armchairs with popcorn next to us in order to kind of raise <laughs> these revenues. So, mm. I, I disagree with how it's being put on fans quite a lot. And I, I'd, I'd be interested to see how this is going to play out, certainly for teams like Villa and ourselves, who are kind yeah. of really best of the rest in terms of that top six, as they always say. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I'm hoping to do a sort of FFP special just to get on, on this podcast to do a bit about it. But, um, but Freddie, uh, it's been absolutely brilliant to chat to you. I always love chatting to you and I always love the comments we get down below as well. I get a lot of comments from Newcastle fans. I always really enjoy it. <laughs> um, uh, and Villa fans as well. Yeah, um, they, they always tune in. So I've always, I always really love it. Uh, and I, as I say, yeah, you're part of the London Mags, an absolutely brilliant group of guys, honestly. I love meeting you. Um uh, for those who would like to get involved with it, uh, how can they find you and the London Mags online? Um, yeah, thanks for that. Um, they can follow us on Twitter at, at the London Mags. It's very simple. It's the Newcastle United Sports Club London. And then um, if you're ever wanting to watch a game and you're in London, just come find us in the Dolphin Pub in King's Cross. It's your first stop after getting off the train. Brilliant. All right, Freddie. Well, uh, best of luck for the rest of the season, except for Tuesday night, of course. <laughs> Always a pleasure, Frankie.